And uh, today, Palm Sunday, uh, is the first day of Holy Week. And, and so through this week, we're going to walk with Jesus uh, to Good Friday and, and the cross, and then uh, Holy Saturday as we remember Jesus uh, lying in the tomb. And then, of course, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, when we celebrate um, the resurrection. And so, Lord, whatever you have to say to us through your word, we don't want to miss it. Lord, we know your word's alive. We know your word's true. Lord, speak to our hearts. Stir in our hearts like you, uh, like, like you stirred in Ava's and like you've stirred in so many of our students. Just stir in each of our hearts, whether we're young or old or in between, Father. Just stir in us and speak to us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there's a, there's a, a memory I have as I was preparing for, for this week. I remembered uh, uh, when I was a kid, I used to love uh, climbing trees. Uh, anybody uh, used to like climbing trees or still like climbing trees? Uh, and, uh, and maybe some tree climbing happened uh, at the D-Now this weekend. I don't know. Uh, but I was a little guy, and, and, uh, and there was this tree in our backyard that I would climb all the time. Um, and, uh, and I don't know, I guess, you know, you, you, there's this, this feeling of freedom and safety and, in a weird way, safety and, and, and power of being up and high and in the tree. And, and, um, and uh, I, was, I was up on this branch that I'd been on who knows how many hundreds of times before, and I was, uh, you know, in my mind I was working, I was tearing off little branches and throwing them down, and, and, and as, I, as I moved a branch, I heard this sound that sounded like a helicopter, it was just like, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I felt something like hit me uh, in the chest, and I thought at first it was a little piece of bark that had flown off, but then another one hit me, and then another one hit me, and I just saw this cloud of red coming at me, and I had disturbed a big red wasp nest, and, and I was... And they're just hitting me, and I have my face covering my uh, my hand covering my face, and they're just getting me from all sides, and I'm screaming, and it's evening time, and I'm yelling, and I'm stuck. I mean, I was in this tree that had been this place of safety, this place that I would go, this place that I would spend time. I'd been there over and over and over again, but now, uh, man, it's turned on me, and 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 I was getting hammered from every side. I just screamed and yelled, and I remember my dad running. He was. Uh, Oddly, I guess he was about the age I am now at the time, and he ran across the yard and, and he ran under the under the tree and said, "Jump, jump, jump!" And man, I jumped out of that tree, and my dad caught me, and we he ran me back into the house, and 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 he took his big old chew of uh, of tobacco out of his mouth, and he started he started yeah, the story takes a weird turn there, but but he started <laughs> he started dabbing those uh, you know those those. Because I think there were 14, it felt like 14,000, but there were like 14 wasp stings, and, and he was, you know, putting his tobacco on, on those stings, and, and um, you know, uh, I was trapped, I was in pain, and I was rescued as I jumped out of that tree and into my father's arms, and, and uh, today as we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and as we begin Holy Week, we're going to see Jesus in this passage, we're going to see Jesus uh, seek, we're going to see Jesus save, and we're going to see Jesus weep. Um, and Jesus is the good shepherd who seeks and saves us no matter what tree we're stuck in. That's what, that's what we want to grab hold of today from the text. Jesus is our good shepherd who seeks and saves us no matter what tree we're stuck in. So let's, let's turn to, to Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho, Jesus entered Jericho, um, and he was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was small in stature. 
So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defraud anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is the most famous tree climber in Scripture. And kids love to hear about this, uh, this uh, story in, in Sunday school, but I think the teachers love to, to teach this story even more than the kids love to learn about it. And we all know the songs, the song going in anybody's mind right now. He's a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Um, but, but, but Jesus, is, he meets Zacchaeus on his final journey to Jerusalem, Jesus uh, enters uh, Jericho. And on, on this journey Jesus has been on in this part of Luke, he's had several encounters with these different people. He, he encountered the rich young ruler who, who had so many, he, he was possessed by his possessions and he walked away from Jesus sad because he, he wasn't ready to follow Jesus. And Jesus met the blind beggar and he heals him. And, and now this final encounter is in Jericho with Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. And, and, and it's interesting to me that Jericho is the city um, that is at the lowest point on the planet. This, Jericho is at the lowest uh, sea level of any city on the planet. It's been constantly inhabited for about 11,000 years, but it's literally the lowest point on earth. It's about 846 feet below sea level. And uh, so as Jesus meets Zacchaeus, he's literally at the lowest point on the planet, 846 feet below sea level. Um, and, and, and Jesus has entered the city Jericho, which is known to the Jews as a place where God, it's known as a place of God's judgment and of God's provision. God had, had pronounced judgment on Jericho all those years before, and uh, the walls fell down, and, and God provided the land for his people. And, and from this lowest point on the earth, Jesus is going to begin his ascent, his climb to the Temple Mount outside Jerusalem and the hill eventually where he's going to die. Um, some things about Zacchaeus. First is his name. Interestingly, the name Zacchaeus means innocent or pure or clean. But Zacchaeus has chosen this vocation of he is a tax collector. And he's not just any tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And so he has earned his living off of exploiting those less uh, powerful than him. He's earned his living by taxing and taxing and taxing. And he's been in league with the Romans um, he's anything but innocent. He hasn't lived up to his name very well. I wonder if we ever feel like that sometime, that we haven't lived up to the name that we've been given. Uh, his name means clean, pure, innocent. But, but anytime anybody says Zacchaeus' name, I mean, tax collectors, we know this, tax collectors were hated then. Uh, glad that's changed, right? Uh, tax collectors were, were hated then. Um, I mean, they were brutal, and they were, they were in partnership with, with this, uh, they were a collaborator with Rome and an exploiter and, 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 and whenever anybody would say Zacchaeus' name, clean, innocent one, I don't think they could have said it without some sarcasm in their voice, without some derision, without a sense of, um, uh, without a sense of, of, uh, uh, of outrage. Um, and, and so, uh, when, oh, there's the innocent one coming, because he's, he's been anything but that. His name would have been used to mock him. Uh, he's rich. He's been really, really good at what he's done. And we're told in verse 3 that he's a seeker. He was seeking to see who 
Jesus was. And so um, he, 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 he's willing to do whatever it takes to get an edge over the competition. I mean, you know, we read in the prodigal son story about the father who girds up his robe and runs, and we said how that, you know, it's kind of humiliating for a man in this, in this age to do that. Well, Zacchaeus girds up his, his robe and he runs. Not only does he run, but he climbs a tree all just to get an edge on the competition. He's going to be the one that catches a glimpse of Jesus. He'll do whatever it takes. And he's been spending his whole life doing whatever it takes to get an edge. He's, he's been doing whatever it takes to overcome his limitations uh, all of his life. And so he's a tree climber in more than one way. He climbs the sycamore tree to see Jesus, but he's also been, cli- he's been overcoming obstacles and shortcomings his whole life. He's been w- doing whatever it takes to get an edge his whole life. He's climbed the tree of success. He's climbed the tree of status. He's climbed the tree of wealth. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He's, now he climbs a literal tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And when Jesus sees Zacchaeus, it's interesting to me that the first thing Jesus does is Jesus calls Zacchaeus by his name. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, no pun intended. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, uh, wow, that was bad, guys. Hey, uh, uh, and say, um, this was the first time in a long time uh, that Zacchaeus has heard someone speak his name with anything other than scorn and mockery in their voice. When Jesus says Zacchaeus' name, he really calls him by his name. He calls him by that name that means innocent one, righteous one, pure one, clean one. And there's not an ounce of mockery. There's not an ounce of scorn in Jesus' words. And then Jesus invites himself over. And he says, come down from that tree. I'm coming to your house for dinner. So if you're ever wondering if it's polite to invite yourself over for dinner, what would Jesus do? He invites himself over so you can do it, okay? And he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. He says, hurry up and come down from that tree. Now, this is really, really important. Jesus doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, what a great job you've done of climbing that tree Um, If you keep climbing and trying really hard, you're going to attain salvation, you're going to attain righteousness, you're going to attain peace. He doesn't tell Zacchaeus to keep climbing, he tells him to come down. In other words, Jesus tells Zacchaeus, abandon your tree, get out of your tree, I've already come to you. So Zacchaeus is really a picture of all of us. He's at 846 feet below sea level. And his best effort maybe gets him to 840 feet below sea level. And religion says... Climb, 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 and eventually you'll be good enough and God might accept you. Jesus has come from the throne of heaven all the way down to 846 feet below sea level. And he says, Zacchaeus, you don't have to climb, dude. I've come for you. In the story, Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. He doesn't commend Zacchaeus, in my, in my reading here, he doesn't commend Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is trying so hard. Zacchaeus isn't the seeker in the story. Jesus is the seeker in the story. Uh, Jesus, is, Jesus came looking for Zacchaeus long before Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name before Zacchaeus ever knew Jesus' name. Jesus knows your name. And religion says, climb, climb, climb. Jesus says, abandon the tree. You don't have to stay stuck in that tree. He says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. He descended from the highest throne of heaven to the lowest point on the planet. He's the seeker. He's the one that seeks and saves what's lost. And so Zacchaeus responds to Jesus with repentance, with restitution, with restoration. I'm going to pay back fourfold. This isn't to earn Jesus' love. But this is an incredible gratitude that Jesus has loved him and has accepted him and welcomed him. 
Jesus is the good shepherd who seeks and saves us no matter what tree we're stuck in. I don't know what tree you might be stuck in. Maybe you're stuck in the performance tree and you're thinking that if you can just do enough, God might love you. Maybe you're stuck on the wealth tree and you think if, there's just, if you can just attain that, that, one, more, uh, that one more dollar, um, you're going to be okay. Maybe you're stuck in the relationship tree and you're just going from relationship to relationship to relationship. Maybe you're stuck in some kind of addiction tree. I don't know what tree it is, but I know whatever tree it is, Jesus comes to seek and to save what was lost. He's the good shepherd that rescues us from whatever tree we're stuck in. Um, uh, and so, and so let's, let's skip down to verse 28. Uh, Jesus saves. Verse 28, and when, so, 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 so Jesus leaves Zacchaeus, a uh, changed man back there in in Jericho, and Jesus proceeds on to Jerusalem. Verse 28, when he had said these things, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying it? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks uh, on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, these very stones would cry out. So Jesus journeys on to Jerusalem, and he's, he's moving towards the climax of his mission, his death on the cross. And the crowds around him are celebrating, and they're throwing their cloaks on the ground, and they're, and they're spreading their cloaks out before Jesus so the donkey he's on doesn't even touch its, its, its hoofs to the, to, the, to the ground. I mean, they're so excited about Jesus' mission, they can't even contain themselves. Remember when you were excited about Jesus? Amen. Thank you. Anybody else remember when you were excited about Jesus? And maybe you are excited about Jesus. And, and we're saying, I'll do anything. I'll take my cloak off and I'll throw it on the ground. And, 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 and yet, they don't understand what they're signing up for yet. And, and Jesus, yes, he's calling for us to make these radical commitments to him. But he's also calling us to be aware that the the road leads to the cross. And on the other side of the cross to resurrection. It's going to lead into confusion. It's going to lead into unknown. And it's so amazing to me that Jesus doesn't shut down all the celebration happening. He doesn't say, hey, you guys quieting down. Stop being so excited. Don't you know I'm going to die? No. He doesn't. It's the religious leaders that try to shut it down. And he says, hey, if these guys don't praise, the very stones are going to cry out. And celebrate. Jesus doesn't shut down their rejoicing. He doesn't shut down their celebration. Even though they don't understand that he's going to die, he shares in their joy. He joyfully approaches the cross. Amazing. And again, the religious leaders grumble, What's Rome going to think? We're going to get in trouble. Shut this down, Jesus. And he says, No, even the rocks will cry if these guys don't cry out. And the thing is, Zacchaeus was stuck in one kind of tree. And he knew he was in the tree. But these religious leaders, they're in a whole other tree. And they don't even know they're stuck in a tree. They're in this tree of doing the right things and doing the religious stuff. 
Um, and and they're, they're not even aware that Jesus is calling them to step out of their tree. They're not even aware that he's calling them to jump out of the tree and trust him. And Jesus weeps in verse 41. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. N.T. Wright says that uh, uh, the tears of Jesus are at the core of the Christian gospel. Jesus' tears are at the core of the Christian gospel. Uh, Jesus weeps over the city that has rejected him. And a lot of times we read Jesus' words of judgment because he pronounces judgment on the city in this passage. He says the city is going to be destroyed. But this isn't, uh, these aren't words of scorn. These aren't words of cold, calculating um, uh, 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 revenge. Uh, Jesus is pronouncing judgment on those who've rejected him. His heart is broken. And he's, he's saying if you continue on this self-destructive path, if you continue on this proud, arrogant path, if you keep climbing the tree you're in, this is where it's going to head. It's not a moment of weakness. These tears reveal Jesus' heart. Jesus' tears reveal His Father's heart. And you know what? I've known a lot of angry Christians. Anybody known an angry Christian or two? I've been an angry... Yeah, you've known an angry Christian or two? Okay, okay. Um, uh, okay. I'm sure your grandma loves Jesus very much, all right? Um, I'm just going to segue out of that. Um, I've, been an, I've been an angry Christian a lot. I've been an angry Christian. Um, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel, Lord. Um, take it, Jesus. Um, I've been an angry Christian. Um, but you know, I haven't known a lot of grieving Christians. I haven't known a lot of Christians who, like Jesus, grieve the condition of this world and weep over the condition of broken marriages and broken hearts and broken lives. Um, it's easy to get mad, isn't it? But Jesus in this passage calls us to weep. He calls us to grieve over the brokenness of this world. And, 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 and he, he then he, he goes into the temple Verse 45, and he entered the temple and he began to drive out all those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And as he was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. And so he goes into the temple and throws over the, the tables. And this is a symbol. This is a symbolic action that judgment is coming to the house of God, that one day Rome is going to come in just a few years, 40 years, they're going to come and they're going to to destroy this temple and not one stone will be left on another um, he says you've you've perverted this place and it's become a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer and and and, and as we read about jesus going into the temple i think it's easy to say yes go jesus yeah t- uh, stick it to him show him show him what it's about you know uh, turn those tables over but you know it's not so enjoyable when jesus comes and knocks on the door of my heart and he starts flipping over tables in my heart. And as we read this passage, we're introduced to a Jesus who, even though he grieves, and, and even though he loves us, he does flip over those tables in our hearts. And he exposes and he reveals where we need to repent. Um, right now, in our nation, the church is, is really being exposed for where we've truly placed our trust for a long time, and, and there's some real revealing happening. And, and, and maybe, maybe, when a, uh, maybe when there's like a big TV preacher or something that, that kind of gets exposed as being, you always knew he was a crook, and then he gets exposed as being a crook, and, 
And do you ever kind of like really kind of internally applaud? Yeah, I was right about that guy. I read this statement from Beth Moore recently. She says, if it does not make us tremble that Jesus is clearly cleaning house in his church, turning over tables and chairs, exposing what's underneath, and calling us back to purity and prayer, if all it does is make us pump our fists over the exposed or give us fodder for gossip, we are fools. The approach to this passage isn't, uh, isn't the response to this passage isn't, yeah, you get them, Jesus, get those people over there. I believe the response to this passage is, Jesus, expose what needs to be exposed in me. Flip over the tables that need to be flipped over in me. Call me, call us back to purity. Call us back to prayer. Call us to be the people that you made us to be. In seeking and saving us, Jesus brings order to our disorder, and he brings disorder to our order. Zacchaeus was up in the tree, and his life was out of control. His life was disordered. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to bring order to your chaos. I'm going to bring order to your disorder. But when Jesus goes into the temple, they've got it all figured out. They've got this system nailed down. They've got God nailed down. And Jesus brings disorder to their order. And there's times in your life that Jesus brings order to your disorder. And there's times in your life and my life that Jesus brings uh, order to our disorder. There's times he brings disorder to our order. He's the good shepherd who seeks and saves us no matter what tree we're stuck in. You know, Zacchaeus was over here stuck in his tree of rebellion. He wasn't really stuck, but he would climb this tree of rebellion. Um, the priests and the scribes are over here stuck in their tree of religion, and they don't even know they're stuck. Whatever tree we're stuck in, our Father comes to us in the person of Jesus, just like my dad did 30-something years ago. Um, he comes to us in the person of Jesus. He says, you don't have to stay where you are. Will you jump? Will you jump? And will you trust that I'm going to catch you? So I don't know what your tree is, but man, I've spent a lot of time hanging out in trees. I've spent a lot of time trying to climb and just be good enough. I've spent a lot of time uh, chasing safety and security somewhere and fulfillment somewhere that was never going to give it. And whatever tree you might be in, Jesus calls you just like he calls Zacchaeus. And just like he called these religious people, come bailing out of that thing. Jump into my arms. Let me love you. Let me save you. He says, I've come to seek and to save what was lost. So is your life a little out of control? A little broken? You know somebody who is? That's why Jesus came. To seek to save what's lost.